Rise Up Podcast Community. Bit.ly slash Rise Up Pod Community. Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Join Lee W. Mowen on the awesome adventure covering Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Follow along on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen for the host and Gem on Queen Crown for the podcast. Opening theme provided by freestockmusic.com. Now, it's time for another journey through the Southwest Ohio sports scene. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. The 100th episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Very, very big moment and very, very excited to be here as we have reached episode 100. Yes, that was very fancy for the 100th episode, as it should be. It's the 100th episode, as I've said, like, twice now. Anyway, hello, how are you? It's good to see you all, and welcome to this live edition of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. On the 50th episode of my podcast, I recited the first thing I said on episode one. I'm not doing that. For episode 100, it's, um, you know what platforms are on. You go to the leewmallon.com slash podcast and you find your favorite one and then you do your thing, you listen to this, and then it's all just a big old fun time. For this edition, I figured it'd be interesting to have a live edition of Mallon's Mailbag. Hopefully, People start chiming in with questions. Hopefully people actually watch this. Let's be real. I'm, I'm quite nervous. It's my first live stream since April with Wright State Softball. I think I said that on the Periscope stream before, uh, before that uh, went down. So no Periscope stream. My old phone looks like it has bit the dust. And that's the end of that. So, sorry. No, uh... No live stream there, but you can join me on YouTube. 
Thank you to all the people that helped me pick YouTube. Really close on Twitter. I think only by a couple votes people wanted YouTube more. Whereas you look at Facebook, only I wanted Periscope, which is fine. I mean, you know, not that big of a deal. I mean, how hard is it going to be? I stream on OBS and then people hopefully tune in. We'll see. We'll see how many people actually join this afternoon. I know it's a weird time. The actual 100th episode. That will be... It's a pleasant time to do lawn work. Hey, I'm doing my 100th episode here. Oh yeah, I don't have a picture of myself. And there won't be a picture of myself, because who wants to see my ugly mug? There you go. The actual episode that should be released tomorrow... Maybe Wednesday, although that's my birthday. I don't know if I really want to work on this episode on my birthday, because I actually want to do something on my birthday, which uh, that's the first time in a couple years. But anyway, it's a beautiful day out, too. So we'll see how many people I get on here. If I don't get any, that's fine. I'm, I was planning for that. So... Any sports questions you have, or if you want to ask me any questions about myself, I guess that's fine. I mean, as long as it's not too personal. You're not trying to ask for my social security number or anything like that. So, let's get down to business. People have already sent in questions. These were supposed to be for episode 99, but I decided to save them. That, and I didn't get to episode 99 until Saturday. And you know me, normally I don't do my podcast on the weekends, just because of the fact that you know, I normally don't do my podcast on the weekends. The first one is from the Fantasy Fam at the Fantasy Fam on Twitter. Great podcast. I believe they're part of the OTH OT Heroics. The H is capitalized. That's my excuse. OT Heroics, which is Overtime Heroics, forum on Twitter. And the first question is: Are Bengals fans finally happy this season with no Marvin Lewis? I can't speak for all Bengals fans, but I think yes. And if I were to guess the percentage, 90-10. That's being generous to the 10%. Marvin Lewis did a lot of good things. Because you remember in the 90s, it wasn't such a good time for Cincinnati football. I mean, with the exception of 1990s playoff win against the Houston Oilers, now the Tennessee Titans... You really didn't have much highlights. Boomer Esiason coming back, that was cool, but what else do you have? Answer, not much. If you know your abandoned places, Forest Fair Mall, it's empty, it's sparse, and it's not good. It's pretty much the era, that Forest Fair era of Bengals football. Marvin Lewis came in, did a nice job, got the Bengals to the playoffs, but could never win that playoff game. And I think the most heartbreaking loss was to Pittsburgh when they had the lead late. And then Jeremy Hill fumbles, which that's not so bad. You get a defensive stop, and, you know, that's the end of that. But defense shoots itself a foot a couple times. Pittsburgh takes the lead, and then the game. And I think most Bengals fans were surprised that Marvin Lewis didn't get heave-hoed out of there after that. I mean, I'm surprised on that. But, yeah, I think fans will be happy. But will fans be happy with the results on the field in year one? I don't know. 
See, I, I like to think that the culture's turning where the Bengals aren't going to put up with any more BSPN, the worldwide leader in BS, but I don't know. It's still Mike Brown as the owner. I feel like it's a turning point. This year might be rough. Next year might be nice. I mean, with the turmoil going on the AFC North, now Cleveland looks like, you know, an actual football team and not the punching bag of the NFL. You got Baltimore. I mean, Lamar Jackson, he's doing okay. The Ravens have put a couple weapons on defense. Pittsburgh, I think it's actually a big plus that Antonio Brown's out. Yes, extraordinary wide receiving talent, of course. The drama outside that, nah, it's not worth it. Will Juju Smith-Schuster have to step up in a big, big way? Tell me something that most Steeler fans and myself don't know. I mean, James Conner, will he make significant strides forward? I thought he did great year number one. He helped me. I say he helped me, but I had James Conner on my fantasy football team, which won it the championship. Sheen, that's on my resume. Um, It's not on my resume. I promise you that. But Connor did quite well. I mean, he had those couple of fumbles and a couple of miscatches, which who doesn't? But there you go. Now that Pittsburgh's drafted another running back behind him, that's going to be pretty interesting. But I think Connor does well in year two. It's going to be interesting in the AFC North. It's going to be very competitive, much like the NL Central is currently. I mean, the Reds are in last place, but they have the most wins out of any last place team. Who knew the Royals were that bad? Ooh, 18 wins. Ugh. And just get the shivers on that. Just, ugh. So, to go back to the fantasy fans question, are Bengals fans finally happy this season with no Marvin Lewis? Yes. I know I am. It, it needed to happen. Marvin Lewis has been there for a while, and I think, he overstayed his welcome. I will always be appreciative of what Marvin Lewis brought to Cincinnati, but I think a new voice was needed. The second question is from Sports Opinions Podcast, another great podcast. From Sports Opinion 30 on Twitter. What are the expectations, good Ohio State football, with Ryan Day in his first season as head coach? It's probably no secret to you, I am not an Ohio State fan. And no, I'm not a Michigan fan either. I just don't see the point where, oh, I live in Ohio, so I must like Ohio State. No, that's not that's not how I am. I just, I'm not an Ohio State fan. And really, I could care even less. I like that there's local talent. Like, I want to see Josh Myers spring up into a beast of an offensive lineman. He's from Miamisburg, so that's pretty cool. When the local talent plays at Ohio State, that's pretty cool. And when they get drafted, that'll be nice. I think that'll be a nice piece on that Bengals offensive line in a couple years. Hint, hint, Mike Brown, draft him. Although he'll probably get drafted before. Well, we'll see. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, because normally I'm so disinterested in Ohio State football, I I know I see it on Twitter a lot that when the Buckeyes win or the Buckeyes don't win, you know, I see that, but that's, I'm sure, he'll have a good year. It seems like the ship is sturdy, but I, I, I'm not going to be paying attention. Now, the football team I will be paying attention to for D1 football is Cincinnati. I think Luke Fickle made 
amazing strides his second year. And I think the third year, there's not going to be any less strides. Well, that was a very awkward way to say that. But I feel like Luke Fickle will make the Bearcats even better in year three. And it's something that UC really needed because under the guidance of Tommy Tupperville, there's a broadcaster on one of my Facebook groups. He has a very similar name, and I almost said that. Woo, that would have been awkward. Anyway, under Tommy T's leadership, it kind of wilted. And since night football wasn't the same. You remember the fights and the comments saying that the fans really don't have a say in it, which, you know, kind of teed everyone off. I I think Luke Fickle's third year will be better than the second year, and that second year was pretty darn good. So that is my answer to that. The third question is from Zep3 at Z30SportsCast on Twitter. Votto going to turn it around? Yes. He's Joey Votto. And that's one thing that makes me upset in terms year three. And it's, yay, I'm streaming. Just checking that, sorry. With Joey Votto, he's a veteran. He knows how to bat. I mean, he draws more walks than... Well, never mind. But he's a veteran. I know he's going to turn it around. And then on the other side, you have people around here saying, Joey Votto needs to get traded, booted, uh, not in the second part in the lineup. I'll admit, second spot, a little weird for Votto, because normally he's third, fourth. But it's David Bell. He's It's his way of managing the lineup. I really feel like Votto will turn it around. The second part of the question is, can the Reds get to 500 or better by season end? Yes. Now, you might wonder why I'm saying that, because of the fact that the Reds dropped a series to fourth place Washington, a team that the Reds should have won the series. But then again, (laughs) then again, nothing's played on paper. That's why you play the game. Someone. Oh, thank you. Uned experts on Twitter. 100. That's awesome. Thank you. I... I feel like there's going to be a series, a game, something where the Reds turn it on and it stays on. This team has been inconsistent. You and I probably know that. But has it been fun to watch? Well, for me, listen, but yes. I mean, it's Marty's last season. Do you think I'm going to miss a lot of radio broadcasts? I think not. Especially if what's coming through the pipeline is already on the air. I uh, I don't want to get into it, but uh, Marty is definitely the radio voice of summer, and 2020 is going to be very weird without him on the air. I feel like there's going to be a part where the Reds do turn it around and finally keep up. It's going to be a tough trek, of course, because that NL Central is stacked. Milwaukee, Cubs, St. Louis is always dangerous, Pittsburgh... They're staying afloat. I mean, Chris Archer and that acquirement. Was that last season or was that the season before? Ooh. Now, I will comment on the fact that I find it funny that, you know, Pittsburgh's broadcaster, which I don't remember the name off the top of my head, 
You mentioned that, you know, Derek Dietrich's antics are, yeah, yeah, detriment of the baseball. Everyone must be boring at all times. Well, outside this podcast, I disagree with that. I mean, I think Derek Dietrich is a much-needed bolt of energy that this Reds team needed. I mean, think about it. The attendance is up. I think I saw 7%. Listenership, viewership is up compared to last year. Remember last year, 3-18, and 18, then Brian Price has shown the door after starting off the gate winning three of 18 games? Yeah, it's uh, it wasn't a great time for Reds baseball. I still listen to it, although I question myself, why? I feel like the Reds will finally figure out that point. I don't know when, though. I don't know when. For those that are listening on YouTube... Because, again, I'm not showing a picture of myself. Tried doing it on Periscope, and then my phone just kind of crapped out. So, no Periscope stream. I'm sorry. And I need my my new phone in case my fiancé calls in and says she has a job. Because she's currently in an interview. That's why I'm doing this live today. You know, behind the curtain, the more you know. Din, 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 din. So, yes, Votto will turn it around. Reds will get to 500 or better this year. I'm not putting money on it because I don't have money. So there you go. Those are the questions saved over from episode 99 to episode 100. For those of you on YouTube, go ahead and ask me something. I got live chat up here, and I would really love to answer questions live during episode 100. And I hope that you will take the time out to you know, ask a few. Preferably Cincinnati or Dayton sports questions. If it's not, that's fine. I'm not going to guarantee you I know everything because I don't. There's Every day I learn something new, and I think that's the best part of living. There you go. A little lameness, as my fiancé would call it, but there you go. So now on to the meat and potatoes of episode 100. Ribeye filet and fried potatoes. Mm-mm. Actually, I wanted to stop and say thank you to everyone that's listened to me, shared my tweets, my Facebook posts, voted on a poll, because I know I've been asking those lately. Any of you that have answered or answered answered the call for Malin's mailbag, Mark Schlemmer has asked a lot of questions on this podcast. Definitely my favorite part of listening to Kenner and Schlemmer. And like I mentioned, if you ask questions here, I will answer them when I get them. So please feel free. Again, sports related, if you want to know stuff about me, that's fine, as long as it's not too personal. Personal. The plans for the live stream, I'm hoping to go an hour recording time. I think it took me about 12 minutes to get everything ready with social media and the like. Like I mentioned, I already answered Mound's mailbag questions saved over from episode 99. So, what I would like to talk about Well, let's start off with college baseball because the season is over for all six D1 schools in Cincinnati Dayton area. And I will tell you, there was one team that reached the regionals, that'd be the playoffs, and it wasn't the team you probably think. The Wright State Raiders did not reach the promised regions as they fell twice on semifinal Friday. It was the UIC Flames that... First took out Wright State, putting the Raiders in the losing bracket, and then Milwaukee finished the job by eliminating the home team. 
for the first time since the number one seed hosted the entire baseball tournament, that a number one seed has not won the tournament in Horizon League. Very, very sad day because this Raider team was good. Not good, great. This Raider gang squad, I mean, you think about it, I feel like there's going to be a lot of draftees. Maybe even topping the Horizon League record of nine that UIC had last year, season or two ago. That's a very good question. I probably should have looked up. But, I mean, if you look at the outfielders, Peyton Burdick, he's the second team All-American. He got that award recently, like last week. I mean, J.D. Orr led the entire NCAA in stolen bases. That guy's quick. I mean, Zach Weatherford, mean bat. Seth Gray was one point the sixth best third baseman prospect in college. And all the other ones came from big schools. The only one in the mid-major, Seth Gray out of Wright State, formerly of Springfield Shawnee. I don't know how many Raiders are going to get drafted, but I have a feeling there will be a few. And please, Cincinnati Reds, feel free to draft some of these Raiders. And maybe they'll become Dayton Dragons later on in the year, which we'll talk about Reds and Dragons a little later on. I talked a little bit about the Reds, but the Dragons, yeah, we're going to talk about both those squads. Just checking the time, don't mind me. 21 minutes already. 21 minutes on fluff, and then it's actually about 10 minutes apart. Wow. Awesome. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. You can follow me at the Lee W. Mowen. We fall back. I check Gem on Queen Crown a little bit less than my own, but we do fall back unless I think you're a spam bot or something. You can like the Facebook page, the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Any thumbs up are appreciated. And then find your favorite platform, platform even. By going to the leewmowen.com slash podcast. There are all the platforms this thing is available on and the apps. You can earn a little money by listening to this podcast on Podcoin. There's an app called RSS Radio where you apparently you can listen to it in the car. There's tons of platforms available. It's on Apple Podcasts because now iTunes is going to die eventually. That's the big news. Google Podcasts, Google Play, hopefully iHeartRadio soon again. I probably mess with my RSS feed way too much, so I only have myself to blame on that. Tune in. I'm trying to think of all the apps. I probably should just go on the website and look, but nah, I'm good. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes. Wright State not making the tournament. That was very tough. And me being the announcer for all eight of those matches, Wright State came out of the gate strong against Northern Kentucky, won that game 15-3, to held very strong against UIC, a team that has the pitching and they can get clutch hits when needed, but you think of UIC, you think pretty solid pitching. And also head coach Mike D, he's been there, what, 21, 22 seasons? He knows what he's doing at the University of Illinois at Chicago. The Flames jumped on the Raiders in the top of the 10th, put five on the board against a very solid right-hander, and the Raiders were unable to answer back as the relief pitcher of the year was dealing, and the Flames moved on to Championship Saturday. 
And the Flames would need two home runs from their designated hitter and also the DH of the year, first team Horizon League, Ryan Hampy. He scored the go-ahead run on a solo shot, what was that, top seventh? And the Flames won the Horizon League tournament. Getting to announce that tournament was really, really cool. And I was super excited that I got another chance to do all those games. It was a lot of fun. So, hopefully the right state next year is the number one seed again. So, I get that opportunity as well. But we'll see. That's 2020. We still have a lot of sports to go through this year. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. To the Gem of the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, 100th episode. The team that did make it in the Sunday area was the Cincinnati Bearcats, the first time since 1974. It's been a while. 1974 a while. But, yeah, quite the run through the AAC. Tremendous year for... Scott Guggins, his first year at UC, I believe it's his first year. He was originally the Xavier coach for plenty of years. Just doing a little social media following, don't mind me. Anyway. Yeah, Scott Guggins, Cincinnati. Sorry, I lost my place. I was reading Twitter. I shouldn't have done that, but that's my fault. Anyway, Scott Guggins going cross town from Xavier to Cincinnati. The Musketeers didn't have a bad year. They were the co-host of the Big East Tournament in Mason at Prasco Park, which is on the campus of Prasco Pharmaceuticals. And what the guy did, he built up this baseball park, and there's no charge for parking, no charge for entry, no charge for concessions. He does it out of the love of the sport, which is really, really cool. It's right by U.S. Route 42, On the other side of 71, not the Kings Island side, the tennis court side. Anyway, Xavier was the number two seed in that tournament, lost to Creighton, who happened to have the knockout punch against the Bearcats in the regionals after UC knocked off Oregon State 7-6. to Big win for the Bearcats in the regionals. Just think, what next year can hold for UC's baseball squad? You get to knock off Oregon State, who is the reigning title winners from last year. Big win. Bearcats let a game get away from them from the Michigan Wolverines. And then the Creighton Blue Jays had the last punch and knocked Cincinnati out of the regionals. It was a little tough to see UC go after that big win against OSU. But heck of a win. And that is definitely a great season turned in by the Bearcats. The Dayton Flyers did not make the regionals, but... They made the championship game of the A-10. And let me tell you why that's a big deal for second-year head coach Jason King and the Flyers. The A-10 picked Dayton ninth. You need to finish in the top seven to get to the baseball tournament, the A-10, because there's close to 14 schools that participate in the sport. And Dayton was in second place most of the year, fell to third after a series loss at home against Fordham. But still got to the championship game. Held their own quite well. Did suffer a loss to Fordham twice. But you know what? No shame. Because those Flyers played exceptionally well. 
I'm very excited what the future holds. I mean, this upcoming season, 2020, it's going to be Jason King's third year. Think of the recruits coming in. I really have a good feeling about local Sunday sports college baseball in the area. I know I haven't talked much about the non-D1 schools in baseball, and I do apologize on that. It's not, I'm not going to talk about them, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just trying to keep this within time frame. Again, for those of you joining on the stream, don't forget, throw in your questions on YouTube chat, and I'll answer them as they come in. So Cincinnati was the only Southwest Ohio squad to make the regionals. But we did have a pretty good year all around. Now we'll talk about professional baseball. First, the minor league Dayton Dragons, who yesterday afternoon won their first series since early May against the Clinton Lumber Kings. It has not been a kind season for Dayton. The hitting is close to the bottom. Yesterday's game, I think the Dragons were hitting close to 212. Although if you look at the averages hitting-wise in the Midwest League, which is a single-A league along with the South Atlantic, it's not really great. It's not been a hitting year. I mean, there's some teams that are close to the 270 mark, but not much. I mean, if you look at the Western Division, pitching's great. Hitting's not. I think Burlington's the worst hitting team in the Midwest League, but they're like close to the top of the ERA standings, which, you know, lowest ERA, not highest, I promise. You just think about that, and it's just, it's not the hitting, it's the pitching this year. It's been pretty dynamite. For the Dayton Dragons, hitting has not been great. Pitching has been suspect. And when... Is there going to be relief in the pipeline? I don't know. However, today starts the draft, which I do want to talk a little bit about. We'll talk a little bit about it after the Reds. I know those Dragons are trying hard. I know that. I'm not going to question that. But it has been a tough year. I believe the Dragons are now 21 games under 500. Off today. But a quick three-game swing to Grand Rapids, Michigan against the West Michigan Whitecaps. A team that I really love the identity of. I mean, I like the away jerseys. It's got West, small on top of the M, Michigan, and Whitecaps happen to be the peaks on the closest river, which I can't think about right now. It's Grand Rapids, but there you go. Yeah, I really like it. I really like their logo and everything. They had some pretty cool 25th anniversary jerseys last year. It looked like TV static, but... Anyway, with the draft, there's a lot of rounds. There's a lot of talent to go through. It's baseball. It's the universal sport outside soccer. And I don't know who the Reds are going to take. Yesterday's broadcast on Dayton CW, there were a couple names thrown out there. All but one were college and I forget the names off the top of my head as well. But we are going to take a field trip. Meaning I'm going to take this laptop outside and then do the 100th episode. Maybe I'll get some questions then. No, we are going to RedsMinorLeagues.com. Former guest Doug Gray Jr. Does an amazing job on this site. And it's always nice to talk to him at Fifth Third Field. 
what do the Reds really need in this draft? They'll take the best player first. If he can hit, if he can pitch, that's the big thing. Now, in case you don't know, if you're following the Reds, they don't have any additional draft picks outside. So, no, you know, international picks, something like that. The competitive balance pick got sent to New York and the Yankees for Sonny Gray, which I still like that trade over. I think Sonny Gray will turn things around. I've seen promise. I know it's been rough, and I know the offense hasn't given them any runs. I know a couple pitchers in Reds history past decade can account for that. Your bonus pool amount for each of the first 10 picks, one per round. I mean, if you're in the first round, you get about five and a half million. Sign me up. Where's my five and a half million? That'd be great. It's very interesting on this article. It's the first one on RedsMeyerLeagues.com. It's going to be very exciting to see. Oh, the non-college pick was Riley Green. He's a high school outfielder. And what Tom Nichols, who was a former guest on this podcast too, I think episode 63, he mentioned on the broadcast yesterday that if you're drafted out of college, you'll probably meet up with the Dragons sometime before the closing of the 2019 season. If you're a high schooler, you will probably be in Dayton in 2020. It really all depends. I mean, think about it. I mean, for high school and college baseball players, that's a lot of wear and tear. Pitchers, I mean, you got to think about that arm. You got to think about avoiding Tommy John. So, you know, maybe some, maybe some of them, the college picks might start in rookie ball and then move up to low A or single A as I always call it. I don't like low A. It just sounds demeaning. But we'll see how that draft goes. I'll be following along. Water break. Like I mentioned, most of the stuff I will cut out. Who do I want to see drafted by the Reds? I don't know. I just want to see good products come through. There's no guarantee that, you know, the Reds are going to get the flashiest player because they don't pick first. They pick seventh, I believe. But I just want to see the Reds have a draft where they stockpile talent. Looking down at the extended spring training and rookie ball, there's not really one that stands out that's going to be like, hey... This Dragons team is 21 under 500. I'm going to turn it around. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Now, of course, there's a few articles here. Only one doesn't require a subscription. That's nice. I mean, I get it. Journalists need money. So I'm, I'm not mad at that. I just... I don't have money, and I want to learn these things. In case you are interested, this is the only free one from RedsMinorLeagues.com. It is from Jonathan Mayo. You can follow him on Twitter at Jonathan Mayo. The Orioles are expected to pick Adley Rushman out of Oregon State, which is interesting because if the Beavers are still in the regionals and onto the Super Regionals, that kind of means he can't sign until his college playoffs are over. 
In fact, the Reds had that issue when Jonathan India was drafted. They had to wait until the last series of the college baseball, which be the College World Series. Don't know why I said last series, but there you go. Royals are expected to pick a high school shortstop. White Sox are looking at first baseman Andrew Vaughn out of Cal. Blade, J.J. Blade, the outfielder from Vanderbilt, appears to be the chop choice for the Miami Marlins. Was one of the names that the Reds were thinking about. Riley Green, the high school outfielder. Tigers are looking at him. Padres looking at blessed Trinity Catholic High School, C.J. Abrams. Not to be confused with J.J. Abrams. Can J.J. Abrams throw a curveball? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. The Reds... In the seventh pick, are expected to take the left-hander Nick Lodolo from TCU, Texas Christian University. And from Jonathan Mayo's article, there's been no intel to force a change from this prediction. The best pitcher in a relatively weak pitching crop. I mean, if you look at most of the people that are saying 2019's draft, you're not really going to have any superstars out there like, you know, your Nick Senzels or... Your Hunter Greens type of thing. Reds could also go for Shea Langliers, a catcher from Baylor. Might be the Reds pick there. To me, I, I'm not an expert on this stuff. I follow the Reds, I follow the Dragons throughout, and I, I don't know. I, I really, Hope the Reds pick the best player available, which it's not what's drafted. Now, the draft preview begins tonight at 6. It's going to be very interesting to see. This is the last mock draft because, again, tonight is the draft. This is all through the first round. There's a couple of compensations for... Failures of signing their first-rounders from last season. For the Dodgers, on 31 spot, it's JT Ginn that they failed to sign. A.J. Pollock was supposed to be signed with the Diamondbacks. They have the last pick of the first round. Again, thank you to Jonathan Mayo for having a free article. I appreciate that. So, Lodolo might be a future Red. He might not. Actually, I'm wrong. Fangraphs. It says updated. I, I obviously can't read. Why am I sending you questions? I don't know. You haven't. Which, by the way, do it. YouTube chat. I got it to the right side of my computer. It'd be nice. So I don't feel like I'm just talking to myself about local sports. But there we go. Just scrolling on through here. Fangraphs now has ad-free membership. Neat. This is from Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel. And this is published today. Scroll down to number seven, and they're picking the catcher from Baylor, Shea Langlayers. Third straight pick that comprises Lodolo's sweet spot. The catcher's been scorching hot lately and has lots of suitors in this area. He Since he's backup plan to Lodolo and the outfitter from high school, Green. Also, Elon's right-hander, George Kirby, had a little momentum, but he looks like he might be out of the mix for Cincinnati. And the Padres are supposed to pick up the left-hander from TCU, Nick Lodolo. Riley Green, I think he's picked again by Detroit. 
from Hagerty High School, Florida. Apparently really good bat. Like I said, this draft, it's all about stockpiling your teams. So definitely a big thank you goes out to Doug Gray. It's very interesting to learn about the draft. 40 rounds in the draft. Today, Monday, you'll see rounds 1 and 2. Tuesday, beginning of 1, rounds 3 through 10. Wednesday, you get to see the rest of it, 11 through 40. Reds will have picks all three days. That'll be great, and I'll be following along. And like I said, Reds, if you want to draft some Wright State Raiders or Dayton Flyers, that'd be okay. So then I can annoy the official score in the stringer, which is the online scoreboard for those that can't make it to fifth or field. I get annoyed and I'm like, hey, I saw them play in college. I was their announcer. Isn't that great? But there you go. That's a little on the draft, and that's about all I really know. So there we go. I mentioned the Dragons are having a rough year. The Reds, I like where they're going. And yes, I know, they are a couple games under 500. Yes, they're in last place. But silver linings, it's a very competitive NL Central. I like what I see in the Reds, especially when they win. I really think this Reds team is really, really interesting. I know there was an article, I forget who, I forget where, but I was mentioning that the Reds are the most interesting last place team. If you look at the other last place teams, the Baltimore Orioles, the Kansas City Royals, P.U. I think even Miami got to 20 wins. We swept a couple opponents like, where did you come from, Miami? I know Florida, but shut up. I'm worried about the big thing is the returning Reds from the injury list. Scooter Jeanette and also Alex Blandino, he got sent to AAA Louisville. Who's not to say they come back? And who are you taking the bat out of their hands? With Scooter Jeanette, I mean, he'll probably play second. But then what do you do with Derek Dietrich? You slam at first, but what about Votto? The, the left side of the infield, I mean, Suarez, the third baseman, who are you putting it short? Iglesias? You better, because Iglesias has done a very nice job. Was it Schlemmer that said that it's hard to believe that Iglesias bumped out Dietrich when he was in Detroit? Was that in Miami? I forget what it was. They bumped Dietrich out of the spot, and now they're both in Cincinnati, and they're both doing fantastically. Outfielders, I mean, I like Winker. I like Winker. I like Sinzel. I know he's got to polish up his outfield game, but considering he started off as a third baseman, give him a little slack. Speaking of former Reds outfielders, Jay Bruce recently hit his 300th home run, and also Jay Bruce has been traded for the fourth straight year. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. How can you set up roots when you're always getting traded? <laughs> He's now with the Philadelphia Phillies after one of them is suspended for a while because I believe drugs. But, yeah, that's a pretty solid outfield there. No, McCutcheon, Bruce, and Harper. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big Bryce Harper fan. You might know, but I, I I don't like Bryce Harper. I don't think he's worth that enormous contract that goes for 13 years, Philadelphia. There you go. 
I forget who said it too, but he's not even the best player on the Philly squad. Real Muto? He's stud behind the plate? I just think Philadelphia's got himself a pretty nice team, but I don't think Harper's the main reason why they're winning so much. Which is nice to see Philadelphia come back from, you know, the bottom. Be nice to see Cincinnati do that, but there you go. So now we talked about baseball. How long has this stream been going on? Oh my goodness. Nearly an hour. 44 minutes recording time. And of course this is all, you know, before I edit. Because like I said, I'll edit this out. All the breaks like that one. All the breaks like that one will be cut out and it'll be episode 100 and it'll be on the platforms in a day or so. So definitely, definitely looking forward to that. And I hope that soon we'll get some questions coming on through. That'd be nice. Ooh, there's a second person watching. Hello, second person. Ask me a question. You can make fun of me if you want. I don't care. I'll probably just block you after that, but there you go. Speaking of YouTube, the first 16 episodes of this podcast are available on the platform. However, I have yet to get to 17 through 100, so that's going to be a big heave hole eventually. Eventually, I'll get all of them up. When? I don't know, but there we go. Again, like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, and follow along on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and the Lee W. Mallon. Your support is greatly appreciated. Find your favorite platform to listen to this on theleewmallon.com slash podcast. It's on the major players trying to get it on Pandora and also Deezer, but neither of them have replied back. Trying to get it back on iHeartRadio for the third time. Also, it's on TuneIn, Spotify. Can't believe I forgot that the first time. Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Linux Podcasts. Actually, I don't know if that's a thing. So now let's move over to football. We're talking soccer, and it's in full bloom in the Sunday area. You know, FC Cincinnati off to... An okay start in MLS play. And since then, hoo boy. And in fact, that hoo boy is the result of that 3-1 loss suffered at Colorado. A team that was much worse in terms of goal differential against FC Cincinnati. It hasn't been a pretty few weeks for FC Cincinnati. They're in last place in the Eastern Conference, 12th place. Three wins, two draws, ten losses, a goal differential of negative 16, which is tied for worse in the Eastern with New England. Your best goal differential in the Eastern, the Philadelphia Union at plus 10. By the way, Columbus is out of the playoff picture at the moment. Five wins, nine losses, two draws, and a goal differential of negative 8. And, of course, you have the fans outside like, the crew don't draw well. Maybe pre-court wasn't wrong after all. You do realize in March, April, and May, you know, school time, it's not as easy to get to weekday games. I'm not trying to make excuses for the crew, but my God, back off a little bit. I can't wait to see that new pitch open up by 670 and, you know, nationwide. I think that'll be really nice for Columbus. And what I really love 
the crew aren't just going to abandon their first stadium behind. They're making that into a multi-sports complex. So I really like the crew on that. But it's hard to see that both Ohio MOS teams are towards the basement of the Eastern Conference, along with New England. Your top seven teams, Philadelphia at 8-4-4, D.C. United, this is wins, draws, losses now, 7-6-4. Atlanta United, 8-2-5. New York Red Bulls, 7-3-5. Montreal, 7-3-7. New York City FC, 4-8-1. It's the same team that plays at Yankee Stadium. Then we have Toronto FC at 5-3-6, Orlando City 5-3-7, Chicago 4-6-6, Columbus 5-2-9, New England 4-4-8, and FC Cincinnati 3-2-10. And I think they finally, by they I mean FC Cincinnati, I think they finally got everything sorted out so they could start building that new stadium where Stargell is. Come to think of it, are they building Stargell 2.0? They promised they would have it for football. So the Cincinnati public schools didn't have to be without a football field. I haven't heard a peep on that. Your Western Conference, by the way, LAFC at 11-4-1, just one loss. That's outstanding. That gold differential is the best in the MOS at plus 26. LA Galaxy, Seattle, Houston, not confused with Housen, which is a high school in the Northern Miami Valley. FC Dallas, Minnesota United, Real Salt Lake, San Jose, Vancouver, Sporting Kansas City, Portland, and Colorado. Colorado has the worst goal differential at negative 10, along with FC Cincinnati and New England. Just to double check on that. No, I'm wrong. Worse in the West. They're six goals better than both the Revolution and FC Cincinnati. Awesome. So yeah, it's a little tough, but you gotta think. This FC Cincinnati squad is, organization is now four years in existence. Three years in the USL. Great regular seasons, just never could make the big playoff push. Only getting out of the first round once. For me, I, I know it was gonna be a rough year. I know we weren't expecting first place FC Cincinnati. Up yours, MOS. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting last place, though, but there you go. The crew have cooled down as well. I'm still surprised about Merrim being sent to Atlanta United FC. And Akam, which I saw... Oh, what was that team? It wasn't Atlanta, was it? He's got a deal next year, but he's with the crew. I think I mentioned on one of the recent episodes that... He was shipped off right away, and I was pretty mad about it. I mean, Akam is good. He's a good scoring threat. I think he had most of the goals in that first loss the crew suffered to the Union, but that could be me remembering wrong. But who knows? Again, ask your questions. It's Malin's Mailbag throughout this episode here on YouTube.com slash the Lee W. Malin, the only time I really use my YouTube channel in the past few years. Yeah, that's your MOS talk, and now we talk about USL League 2. We have two Dayton Dutch Lions squads in Dayton and Cincinnati. They are not, they used to be the same ownership, same people, same staff. I was part of that for two seasons. But now it's different. There's different people running both Dayton and Cincy. 
In your Great Lakes Division of USL League 2, it's Chicago FC United leading the pack at three wins, one loss. The Flint City Bucks, which are still listed as Michigan Bucks here on Google, naughty. They're 2-2-1. and one. They're playing at Atwood Stadium at Kettering University. Not Kettering, Ohio. There's Kettering University up north. Cincinnati's in third place, 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. That's wins, draws, losses. Dayton is one win, one draw, one loss. And the West Virginia Alliance FC, which is also called West Virginia Chaos on here. Again, naughty. They're at 0-4-1. That's losses and draws. I like what I see out of this Dayton Dutch Lions squad. I'm the announcer for both the men's and women's side. We'll talk about the women's team in just a short minute. I like this Dayton Dutch Lions squad, and I also like the Cincinnati Dutch Lions squad. The first time those two teams met in the Subway Cup, it was a 1-1 draw. Tate Robertson scored the lone Dayton goal, and now it's off the top of my head who scored the Cincinnati one, but it was a penalty kick about three minutes afterwards, and it stayed at a 1-1 deadlock. It got so feisty that Tate Robertson and Wesley Storm, the goalie for Cincinnati, were issued red cards for trying to punch each other. Fighting is a big no-no in soccer. In hockey, you know, you fight, then you sit in the box and you come out. Unless it's high school, then you get suspended. But, that's a big buzz on my phone. Anyway, with that big fight, they were sent off. It was a loss for the Dutch Lions of Dayton because that's great offensive threat. Tate Robertson creates opportunities, scores on those opportunities. And for Cincinnati, a solid goalie in Wesley Storm. But Keegan McLaughlin, who took his place after the red card, did a very, very nice job, as did Federico Barrios that first half. I believe Dayton swapped goalies in second. I believe it was Weinwart. That took the place in that second half. But anyway, if you go out to watch soccer, you got your options. There's Columbus, there's FC Cincinnati, there's Cincinnati Dutch Lions at Northern Kentucky University, and then there's Dayton Dutch Lions at the Dock, Dayton Outpatient Center Stadium in West Carrollton, Ohio. I'll be there Wednesday for my birthday and to do my job, which is announcing. So wave high. And there you go. I'll have more as the episodes roam on. And now we talk a little bit about the Columbus Destroyers. It's a team I was really excited about coming back, and I thought they had a shot winning their first game, and it hasn't quite happened for Columbus, which is okay. I mean, I say it's okay, but then you have the fans in the area wondering why the Destroyers have yet to win. There's been a couple close games. I know the second game involved a quarterback change. Yes, that's the Columbus Destroyers logo. And looks like the website is still saying that Columbus has chosen a name. Well, that's great, but... Matthew Salk, the head coach. The Destroyers, I believe, now 0-6. Albany is 6-0. Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington... And another new team in Atlantic City and the Blackjacks, they're 3-3. Three and three. So that's four teams at 500, one team at 6-0, and oh, and Columbus at 0-6. Oh I feel like my turnaround for the Destroyers, I have only been able to listen to one game. 
and that was the opening night. I was working the Dragons, and we were on the rain delay, so I listened to a little bit of it. It's where Albany won at home, 35-19. Really the worst loss in terms of points, well, the first game, 35-19. The first one gets Baltimore, 48-30, to the last road game. Until the Destroyers went to the Philadelphia Soul, and Philadelphia came up with a big win. Does John Bon Jovi still own that team? I don't know. But the two home games, 7,035 against Albany in the 56-40 loss to the Empire, and 6,122 in the 29-27 loss against Washington. See, that was a very close result. And the Destroyers are back home Friday, June 7th, this upcoming Friday, against Atlantic City. And then it'll be three straight home games against Atlantic City, Baltimore, and Philadelphia before going back on the road to take on the Baltimore Brigade. And then it'll be one more home game left against Albany and to Capital One Arena against Washington and the Valor. Or Valor. I'm not such a big fan of Valor as you are. Love Futurama, but that's not important. So, 0-6 with... Six more games left. I mean, I'm just happy the Destroyers are back. I really liked watching the Destroyers when I was younger and in high school. I think my senior year was when the Destroyers went to the Bowl and lost to San Jose and the Sabercats. But I'm pretty happy that the Destroyers are back. And I know... It's not great CMO and six being the only team without a win, but baby steps, baby steps. Hopefully later on this summer, I'll be able to go and catch a destroyers game, but I do like talking about them. I know they're not Cincinnati or Dayton, but then again, there's no indoor or arena football in Cincinnati or Dayton. And plus I do talk about pro Columbus sports, which you think would be weird because I don't like Ohio state. You'd think I wouldn't like Columbus, but nah. First MLS squad to have their own stadium. That'd be the crew. Blue Jackets, I talk about them when they're actually winning. <laughs> I don't like talking about the losses, you know. It's, there's just so many of them sometimes. I also talk... Actually, I haven't talked a lot about the Clippers lately. I did reply back to them. They recently sent a tweet saying, We don't make the lineups. We're a social media account. And I was like, but do you control the weather? No, but we did make Diamond Dog Night. You're welcome. Which is, that's a great, that's a great event. Which is obviously 10 cents per hot dog. There you go. Not 10 cents per live dog. For live puppy. That'd be a lot of puppies. And hopefully a lot more responsible people than I think they would be. But there you go. So... That's about all I really like to cover on episode 100. We are reaching the one-hour mark, and people are mowing the grass outside. It is a beautiful day to do that, so hooray. But I don't think this mic catches it, so there you go. I would like to talk a little bit about what I'm planning to do for episode 101 and on and the two-year anniversary. Well, the two-year anniversary, I have received zero questions on this chat, which is fine. I don't think there's a lot of people watching it. That's that's fine. 
But I'd like to do another live stream. That'd be July 22nd. That'd be the two-year anniversary where I started this podcast. Because I was tired of, A, people not talking about local sports, and B, having my resume shredded by the local media because they don't want to hire me. Of course, I can't prove they shredded my resume, but that's what I feel like. So there you go. And it's always been about Cincinnati and Dayton sports. These kids work their tail off here, and they don't get a lot of credit for that. And I think that's a crying shame. I mean, you have a lot of love for Ohio State around here and Cleveland Browns, but what about everyone else? Eh, eat dirt. There you go. So, I'd like to get back to interviews. I have sent out a couple of DMs to Hangar 937, the supporters group for FC Cincinnati in Dayton, and the Gem City Massive, which be a supporter group for the crew in Dayton. I'd like to interview them at Dayton Beer Company. Maybe try to get them to a Dutch Lions game. Who knows? More guests is definitely the goal. like to get the original co-host. Yeah, it was supposed to be co-hosted and not as boring because I know I'm very boring. So there you go. So hopefully I'll have her on eventually. More guests, obviously. Two-year anniversaries, July 22nd. If you have any suggestions on how to make this podcast a little more enjoyable, hit up Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon or Gem on Queen Crown. I'm interested because I really want people to like this podcast because I feel like I do put out a good product. But the number of views and listens are a little low. So if you have any idea how to make them not so low, that'd be great. Shout out my way because I, I don't know, outside of... Uh, <laughs> of spamming and I don't want to spam because that wouldn't be nice episode 101 next week what's it going to be about not sure might be about the lack of coverage of local sports but we'll see how it goes I think that does it for this live stream here on the gem on the queen's crown the Cincinnati Dayton sports podcast thanks for watching and we'll talk to you for episode 101 addendum because you never would have saw that coming in one of my episodes. Anyway, just to add a little more something to episode 100, because, you know, the live stream in an hour wasn't long enough, I bet. Just want to touch up a little bit on the first day of the draft for the Cincinnati Reds. The second day is set to begin in about three hours at 1 o'clock Eastern. And then tomorrow will be the last day of the draft on my birthday. It will start at noon. It will go all the way to round 40. Anyway, I was a little disheartened about the fact that I had a grand total of eight people watch the actual live stream. I was hoping for a little bit more, hopefully hoping for a lot more interactivity, but whatever. I, I, I get that I streamed at a very weird time Monday afternoon, and I know people have to work, you know, other sides of the world, I get it, but. So, a little bit sad. I looked at the numbers and people did come over and watch it, but, yeah. It's still disheartening. And hopefully for the two-year anniversary, it won't be that bad. Maybe I'll do it Monday evening, that July 22nd, so that people can actually tune in and watch. Maybe I'm not interesting. Maybe this podcast does suck. I, I don't really know. It, it, like I said, I am disheartened by it. I'm not going to stop the podcast, but it's just, it bums me out. But enough about me. 
you don't care about that. You care about local Sunday sports. Well, you should. The Reds did draft Nick Lodolo, the left-hander out of TCU, six foot six, two hundred five. Bats throws left. Was previously drafted before, back in 2016, by the Pittsburgh Pirates, the 41st pick overall. Had a really, really dominant junior season. First two years, they were okay. I really like what I see. I mean, I know there was some folks that wanted bats, and you can never have too many bats. But at the same time, pitching. You can never have too many pitchers either. So I'm, I definitely like this pick. I mean, 15 starts, a 2.48 ERA in 98 innings, 21 walks, 125 strikeouts for the Horn Frogs. And that was his breakout junior year. Fastball goes low to mid 90s and does so in a downhill plane because of his height and the arm angle. He doesn't have a curveball. He's got a slider that flashes itself as a well above average pitch. Change up will also be a little bit above, above average. Above, above average. That means it's twice as nice. And this is all from RedsMeyerLeagues.com. Doug Gray with the stuff. You can read more about him. On there, not really surprised, but I think it's the first time that a pitcher hasn't gone top six in a while. It's been a very long time. And again, this draft, eh, you're not going to have too many superstars really picked out. But then again, that's why you don't play the games on paper. You see them happen, flash before your eyes. Second round pick for the Reds is shortstop Reese Hines. The school is IMG Academy. He's a shortstop, a right-handed batter, six foot four, two ten, coming at you. 49th overall pick. And apparently, this was a bad news bears. Walter Mathal. No, it was bad news for the Padres who had the chance to pick up Pines, and they should have. But uh, it turns out, no, they didn't. So. And that's from the score saying the winners, I mean the Diamondbacks, they went up to the podium seven times. <laughs> a couple picks here and there, you know. It's just too bad we don't see them through South Bend anymore. It's Kane County, and you only see Kane County once if you're a Dragons fan. Plenty of rawness in the game of Hines. Struggled with decent off-speed stuff and controlling the strike zone as a high schooler. Scouts were concerned just about how much he'll hit for average. He's not expected to remain as a shortstop once he gets in the minors. The arm can play at third base, but can the glove? His hands need to be improved to make that transition and stay in the infield, or he can go in the corners in the outfield. Although his arm would shine in right field, it says. Again, ragsminorleagues.com. Big upside pick for the Reds. Enormous power. Hands... You can learn about that stuff in the minors. I like this pick. And hopefully his bat does come around. Because if he can't get on the off-speed stuff, I'm not sure. But first round, not too bad. Solid picks. It's a very shortstop-heavy type of draft. It was in the first round. And I don't mind either of the picks. You can never have too many left-handed pitchers. I mean, with the arm angle of Lodolo, 
and the height. That sounds like a winning combination. Lodolo will probably check in to the Dragons later on in 2019. I say probably because remember, he just did throw a college season. That's a lot of wear and tear on the arm. He might stay in rookie ball, might come up next year, 2020. For Reese Hines, the shortstop third baseman from IMG Academy, you'll probably see him in 2020. I'm not ruling out that he'll come in late 2019, but I believe, because he's a high schooler, you know, not that much experience compared to Lodolo, who's had three years at TCU in college, I feel like Lodolo will come to the Dragons sooner than Hines will. Enormous power. Hands need to work. I I like those picks. I really do. I think they are pretty solid. And again, RedsMinorLeagues.com. You can support Doug. He does tremendous job with the website and covering everything minor leagues with the Cincinnati Reds. Just to catch up on what happened yesterday, the Dragons were off. The whole Midwest League was off. Bats lost in 10 innings, 7-6. Lookouts won 3-1. And Daytona lost 11-5. The best team in the minor leagues for the Reds so far is AA Chattanooga. That is probably where most of the talent lies. You can argue Louisville, but the Bats are now 23-34 and overall. Packy Naughton gets the probable start for the Lookouts. They're the AA affiliate of the Reds, have been for a long time. And the Reds bounced to Pensacola for a couple years, came back to Chattanooga. I like that matchup. Daytona three games over 500, and Dayton 18 and 39 overall. Although they did just win their first series since early May against the South Bend Cubs. And now we talk a little bit about high school sports. They are wrapping up. Softball is done. Baseball is getting there. The state tournament for baseball has moved from Huntington Park, the home of the AAA Columbus Clippers, the affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. It's now the AA home of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, it would be Canal Park, home of the Akron Rubber Ducks, once the home of the Akron Arrows. So we'll start off with Division One. We're at the Final Four at this point. Springboro's got Mentor, a great ride for the Panthers. They have done quite well this year. And it will be June 7th at 10 a.m., Springboro versus Mentor. And the winner of that game has Hilliard Darby against Cleveland St. Ignatius. That will be 1 o'clock. State game for D1 will be June 9th at 10 a.m. As we now make the jump to Division 2, I don't like the new website that the SWDAB was forced to that southwestern southwestern district athletic board and yeah, something like that they're on twitter shamna julian looks to defend their state title as their head coach is retiring after a very lengthy career and the eagles will have van wert at one o'clock on june the 8th all these again at canal park in akron winner of cj van wert has st Clairsville against gates mills gilmore academy the state tournament game will be played June the 9th at 4 at Canal Park for the D2 title. And now we go to D3. It will pull up that the Coolwater Cavaliers will take on the Roger Bacon Spartans on the 8th at 4 p.m. And afterwards, it's West Lafayette Ridgewood against Canton Central Catholic. 
Those games, June the 8th, 4 and 7, respectively. And the winner of those games play for the D3 title, June the 9th at 7 p.m., again at Canal Park. And now scroll on down to D4. It's Minster taking on Jeromesville Hillsdale. And then it's Antwerp taking on the Toronto team out of Toronto, Ohio. I don't know why I had to tell you Toronto, Ohio, since it's the Ohio High School Athletic Association. But yes, there's a Toronto, Ohio. Neat. Winner of those games, which we play June 7th at 4 and 7, will play June 9th at 1 for the D4 baseball title. And that's your look at the final fours. It's hard to believe that, you know, baseball is almost over. Softball is over. And hopefully, there's a way to tell you. Lakota East did fall in the state title game to the Louisville Leopards. It's probably Louisville, Ohio, I, I have to guess. I don't know. I don't know if it's said the same like the Kentucky City, but there you go. With Lakota East lost in the state title game, the greater Cincinnati area is 0-8 in state title games. It's a little bit tough, yes. So let's look at who did win state titles. Like I mentioned, Louisville defeated Lakota East 14 to 10 in, was that 10 innings? That was what? The second loss that the Thunderhawks suffered? So runners up in D1 for state softball is Lakota East. Congrats to them on a fantastic season. You have Jonathan Alder winning the state title game in Division II softball as they take down Hebron Lakewood 4-2. And the Pioneers, yes, they're in Madison County. Yes, they're closer to Columbus, but they play in a Miami Valley League, which would be the Ohio Heritage Conference of... No, excuse me. Central Buckeye Conference. It was one of those two. Anyway, Jim DeBell actually tweeted that he gets trolls saying that they're not a Dayton school. Very good. They're not in Dayton. You know your maps. No, but Jonathan Alder, they play in a Miami Valley League. Not the Miami Valley League, but they play in a league that is around Dayton. So, yes, they count. As we now look at Division Three, who won the state title? Warren Champion. They knock off Cardington Lincoln five nothing. The local team in the final four was West Jefferson, and they fell to Cardington Lincoln five to two in the semis. So congrats go out to Warren Champion. See, they're a champion because that's the name of their school. And no, not Warren County. It's Warren, Ohio, which I think, what is that, southeast, northeast? One of the two. And we're looking at Division 3 again. Why are we doing that? Let's look at Division 4. Antwerp is your state title winner as they take down Mechanicsburg, who is ranked number 4 in D4, 5-0. One inning, and the Archers have won it. Love that name. Antwerp Archers. That's a high school support. Anyway, Mechanicsburg... Runners up in D4 for a softball. Congrats go out to the Indians on a very nice season. And now time to tell you the district winners in track and field. These are mixed up, so we'll say what division they're in, but congrats go out to the Indian Hill Braves. 
boys and girls track for winning the districts. Division one girls track, congrats to the Troy Trojans. Division three boys track, congrats go out to the Summit Country Day Silver Knights. Division one boys track, well, you got that Wayne and Centerville rivalry brewing up. Congrats go out to the Warriors and the Elks. Division three girls track, congrats go out to the Indians of Cincinnati Country Day. Division two boys track, congrats go out to the Anna Rockets. Division three, it's the Redskins of Fort Loramie. Congrats. Division one girls track, it's Centerville and the Elks. Division two girls track, Chaminade Julian. Division one, Lakota East girls track. Division one boys track, give a big shout out to Cincinnati's LaSalle and Mason for winning the boys districts there. And also the Princeton Vikings in boys track. Girls track for division three, you have the Dayton Christian Warriors and the West Liberty Salem Tigers. And lastly, Division Three. I mentioned it on an episode or two ago. The Twin Valley South Panthers out of my hometown of West Alexandria. In fact, I believe the entrance to town, you can see that the last state tile one was boys track and field, but that was when it was West Alexandria. Twin Valley South wasn't a thing yet. There was like a lot of high schools in Preble County. Not quite the time where... You know, you had your schools in one-room buildings, which you can see around if you know where to look. But there you go. That's your district champions in track. And that almost clears out high school sports for 2018-2019. And then in August, you start your two-a-days for football. You can't wait to dive back in and tell you a little bit more about that as the time comes. The OHSAA Southwest Scholarship Program, they will have their banquet Wednesday, June 19th at the Dayton Marriott Hotel. I believe that's the one across the river from UD Arena at 6.30. Like I mentioned, it's really rewarding to see district titles, regional titles, and state titles come to Southwest Ohio. Because those kids work hard. I mean, their social life, what would I know about that? You know, school, Athletics. It's very tough to balance, but there you go. Congrats go out to all those schools on great seasons. And that will officially close out episode 100 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. I do want to thank all of you for the questions to Malin's Mailbag. Like I mentioned, I was disheartened with no live questions asked, but that's okay. I'll get over it. Episode 101 will be next week. Can't wait to talk to you again then. Follow along on social media at Gem on Queen Crown and at the Lee W. Mallon on Twitter. I follow back on both unless I think you're spam. And also give the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast page, a thumbs up. Give it a like. And then find your favorite podcast platform to subscribe to for free and listen to this podcast on any platform by going to http colon slash slash com slash podcast. You could probably do without the http part, but there you go. And we'll talk to you again for episode 101 of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off. This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. 
Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T H E L E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, the Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.